This is an excellent shirt, by the way. I've got one of those. If this is your shirt. That's my shirt. <laughs> it is. Welcome to the Pipeline Award-Winning Podcast. As always, I am your host, Jason Gibbs. You can find me on Twitter at Pipeline underscore. You can find me coming through your speakers right now. Totally mind-boggling weekend of college basketball. So much to talk about. And if you haven't already subscribed to this podcast, please do. Please leave us a five-star review. Because this is the podcast. We're not going to give you the X's and O's and the breakdown of the minutiae. We talk about big picture stuff, but we're going to talk about all the fun, wild, weird, wacky stuff that happens in college football and basketball. But I can't take another step without bringing in my partner, KSD, from Pregame Empire, at Pregame Empire. Make sure you follow him on Twitter. And KSD, to quote one of the great philosophical minds of our modern time, Pants on the ground, pants on the ground, looking like a <laughs> fool with your pants on the ground. Get them up. <laughs> well, we'll get to that in a second. Um, Jason, kind of, I guess, and, and along the lines of the pants on the ground quote you just referenced from uh, from the great, what was it? That? that was an American Idol dude. Yeah, like, yeah, Trevor, yeah, American Idol, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah God, I, th- I think I was like, I, actually, t- we'll talk about that quote for a second. I was, I was in like elementary school when that happened, so mm-hmm. you can obviously imagine, you know, how many times that was said, you know, in the in the <laughs> school. Like, I think I was in like third grade when that was a thing, you know, fourth, like third or fourth grade or something. Right. So like, obviously that was, you know, I'm sure the teachers hated hearing, uh, hearing all about that. Um, I just remember Brett but, Favre yelling it in the locker room of uh, – well, I think he was with the Vikings <laughs> at the time. I was just like, what is – what is going on? Yeah, but like, yeah, I was I was like the perfect age for, you know, to, to make all the stupid jokes, you know, about that with like, oh, thinking it was like the funniest thing ever. So let's engage the listener here. And what what day is uh, is today on the calendar? It is, of course, 226 – to those to celebrate, I guess. I don't know if that's what we're referencing, but <laughs> right. No, 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 no. It is. It is not. I'm, I'm, I'm setting setting up the weekend in college basketball here. So, February 26th. Now, there's 28 days in the month of February, which mm-hmm. you know, by my math, this is Sunday night. That that makes February 28th on uh, on Tuesday. That means Wednesday is March 1st. Now, obviously, Tuesday is a big holiday. We'll we'll celebrate John Rothstein's March Rock and Eve all day as he counts us <laughs> down to uh to to March. But um, the uh, the college basketball gods decided to give us uh, very much of a taste of uh, of the March vibe this weekend. This was the weekend of the buzzer beater, as as you began to allude to, and um, you know how this weekend played out. Um, then tell, then stop me if I if, if I if I miss one here. But off the top of the head, we had Arizona State, Arizona, true buzzer beating win. Florida State, Miami, true buzzer beating win. New Mexico, San Diego State, there was a true buzzer beating win there. Today on Sunday, Michigan, Wisconsin, a true buzzer beater to go to overtime. And also on the women's side, Iowa with the true buzzer beating win over Indiana. So, Jason, which one of those buzzer beaters do you want to touch on first? Well, let's just, before I get to my favorite, let's talk about college basketball. It's an empirical scientific fact, it being better than NBA basketball. And here's the proof. In the weekend is, like you said, the the gods are showing us a, a preview of what's to come in this upcoming March Madness. We had the Celtics and 76ers, and I don't know if you saw this, KSD, but Jason Tatum hits a three-pointer with one second left to go for the Celtics to go up three. Joel Embiid takes the inbounds and drills 
it was an 85 footer, 90 footer, and it was after the buzzer. So that, that tells you all you need to know. Wave <laughs> we'll it off, Celtics win, but <laughs> we'll see NBA if, buzzer we'll beaters see don't count. College basketball, they were plentiful this weekend. And to your question, I think, I think that means I think that means real quick that uh that the 76 would need to draft Arizona State's Des Cambridge next year because uh you know he, he, he doesn't think he'll get it about off getting, in time. Get, getting the half court buzzer beater off in time. Absolutely. I think and I, I do I think that I think the Arizona State one is my favorite. It was definitely I wouldn't you say it's the highest degree of difficulty because it he launched yeah, that. If we're isolating just the pure shot itself, right? Of all 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 five of these, including the the Caitlin Clark shot for Iowa today, the pure shot itself, that one is probably the least likely to go in mm. just solely because it's the only one that was beyond half court, right? I mean, it comes off a of made free throw. There's no timeout. You know, Arizona State just throws it straight in. Cambridge just launches it, nothing but the bottom of the net. Now, I do want to touch on this quickly. I don't know if you caught this. So if you watch the replay back, um, the shot goes in, you know, Arizona State bench goes crazy. They go run all over the court, whatever. The camera then cuts to Tommy Lloyd. And Tommy Lloyd, you know, he kind of he, – he's stone-faced. He's not normally, you know, an animated guy. And he's mm-hmm. not any different in this scenario. Out of nowhere pops up an assistant in the back I, – I, I assume it's an assistant coach in the background who just is, like, yelling, like, kind of at nobody. But, like, he is just, like, beyond pissed. And I'm like <laughs> – like, in a way where it's like he's mad at, like, oh, how do we not, like, guard this or something? I'm like, dude, he hit a half-court shot. Like, you know, like, I don't understand what you're mad at here. The only thing I can imagine is, like, Cambridge was pretty wide open on the shot. But, again, like, you're up by two. He's shooting from half-court. The last thing you want to do is possibly put yourself even remotely close enough to foul. Like, I don't know what this guy is mad about. Yeah, I mean, think about how many times we've seen, like, the kind of phantom foul where the guy grazes him exactly. and, they, you know, it's like he stepped on a landmine. You would never want to put yourself in that scenario 70 feet, 60 feet from the basket. So just if he makes it, tip his hat, you know, tip your hat and yeah. then well, call it that a day. Almost, that, al- that almost happened during the midweek um, in the in the Creighton-Marquette game. Baylor Shireman had that half-court look that – he more or less just tried to bait the defender to a foul, and they could have called. Like they didn't call it. They maybe could have. You know, like you, like the last thing you want is to lose that way. So yeah, I don't know. Like I mean, this guy was literally like yelling at. I don't. I don't know who he's yelling at, but like he looked mad at like how the defense was played here. I'm like, dude. Like I don't know. Like I feel like when you're contesting a half court shot, you're better off just kind of hoping he misses than you know trying to really you know close out hard to it. Well, think about. I mean. What are the chances that he makes it? It's got to be one percent, maybe, yeah. maybe yeah, one exactly. to three percent, somewhere around. I don't know. And but then, and he, and he jumped, and he jumped off the wrong foot too. Like, I mean, like, like there's yeah, it was, so many. It was, no, it was definitely no, not. No play. <laughs> like, it definitely this, this wasn't was in the, the like Pistol Pete Maravich how to play basketball <laughs> book or something. No. <laughs> this this was literally the like. You're playing, you know, at recess with with your buddies, and you you know, there's like, you know, like five seconds before you have to go back to class, and it's like, oh, one last possession, and you know, the last possession they miss, it's like, okay, well, the game's over, and, and the kid just casually kind of just launches one, and you know, see if it goes in. That's more or less what happened here. Like, you know, there was again, really no play, and because there's there no timeout, you know, come off a missed free throw, there's really no play, there's really no defense to it, there's nothing really anybody could reasonably do i guess except maybe get a little closer and just, just throws it in i don't know so yeah i mean it was 
it, it was it was a, a great shot you know it's, i mean as far as like spectacular it wasn't necessarily the one, one you yeah. write home about but um, <laughs> you, you want to knock out you want to you knock out the new mexico san diego state one real quick yeah yeah let's, quick let's knock that one out yeah this 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 one was just was the most conventional by far of the weekend you know san diego state down by two uh lamont butler basically a, like he 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 one thing he for sure he uh, he took his time getting up the court, kind of kind of kind of moves up to the three point line and just it just not, hits a pull up three. They were down by two, win by one. My one thought on this is I don't remember who's playing defense for New Mexico, but dude, get a hand up like that was like he literally just left Butler. I mean, and I get like you know being scared to foul, but get a hand up, man. Like your season's on the line. That's my only thought there. But that was that was the most conventional by far of, of the weekend buzzer beaters. Yeah, and I mean, I, I know you, you hear. Uh, guys talk about it loving going into hostile environments and then just completely silencing the crowd and that definitely did it because the crowd was pretty raucous <laughs> and well i mean it, it basically ended new mexico's season right i mean like you know like they pretty much had to have that win to get in that large bid so like now they're basically just done on that one shot it's the thing you you talk about and you i think you talked about this last uh, award-winning podcast is guys often not trying to actually shoot the final shot they're trying to get fouled right. yeah but then that has a domino effect of the guys playing defense like, kind of not wanting to get near them because they're going to be flailing arms and legs but in the process you just <laughs> gave your season away now maybe with your you know you blanketing him hand in his face he still drains it but obviously <laughs> you're decreasing the difficulty by kind of backing off of him and just letting him shoot an open three yeah. Yeah, and so I guess the, the next one I want to touch on quickly, I would, I would just mention the Hunter Dickinson one from today to send it to overtime for Michigan, and I guess ultimately also potentially in Wisconsin season. This one was maybe the weirdest just in kind of the way it happened because, like, Michigan has an inbounds kind of in the corner under the, you know, the basket they're shooting at with, like, a second and a half left. Hunter Dickinson basically does, like, a weird spinning, jumping, one-handed tip catch pirouette spins around again and just like throws it in from NBA range. I mean, degree degree of difficulty on this one was very high, but this one I feel like like if you're Wisconsin, there's like nothing you can do. I saw everybody being like, oh well, how do you not foul here? It's like, dude, there's like a second and a half left when it throws this in. Like <laughs> if you if you foul him there, he's gonna get three free throws. Like that doesn't do you any good. He's going into the motion as soon as he touches it. So that was just kind of a, a lucky garbage one, but that was a fun one as well, especially watching a seven foot tall dude do that from that far away. Yeah, gonna be interesting to if uh, if March Madness is indeed without Blue Blood Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah, noted noted CBS Blue Blood <laughs> Wisconsin. Yeah, um, I'm sure. Yeah, sure, surely, surely the ratings will plummet dramatically without their like 35 point loss in the first <laughs> round to you know random Power Five school, or I guess I meant 35 total point output in a loss was what, was what I was trying to say. Um, well, speaking right, of pants the on the ground, though, speaking of yeah, pants on the ground. Yeah, we need, we need to talk about the one I know you want to talk about. And I would argue this – well, so two things I want to mention here quickly. This one might have been the second highest degree of difficulty. I mean, it's right there with the Dickinson one. You know, Matthew Cleveland throwing one in from uh, from, from deep. Also, is, is Matthew Cleveland this uh, – and by generation, I mean like maybe last five years of college basketball. Let's, let's call it last five years of college basketball. Mm-hmm. Is Matthew Cleveland this generation's greatest uh, greatest buzzer beater merchant? But see, I don't know. He's uh, 
rack my mind. I, I don't know because he's he, this is what is, how many is this second or third? This is this this is his second. So he had one last year against Virginia, which was a very it was actually like almost exactly a year ago. Yeah, where like they threw they had like point you know like four on the clock or something threw a deep. He basically just turns around and launches it from three to beat Virginia and basically in their season. Has the one yesterday. This one was a little more conventional where he gets the ball half court, takes a couple dribbles, fading to his right, launch three at the buzzer to win. A game that Florida State was down 23 in, by the way. I think maybe the better way to put it is he's this generation's Michael Snare. Remember Michael Snare from uh, from Florida State around, oh. you know, the <laughs> 2011, 12. I think it was the 2012 season, I think it was a year where he had all the buzzer beaters. He had one, two beat Duke and Cameron kind of on a, on a mm-hmm. crazy busted play. He had one to beat Clemson. He had another, I don't know, he had like three or four in one season, like true buzzer beaters. So I don't know. Something, something about Florida State kind of always just has a dude who just does this. And Matthew Cleveland's the guy now, I guess. Yeah. So a couple thoughts on this one shameless. <laughs> yeah, plug. I know what you want to say. <laughs> but, but, but let me shameless. I got to get my shameless plug in. I'm actually going to be on TikTok. Make sure you follow us on TikTok at pipeline. As March comes up and as the tourney, you know, we unveil the brackets and live the the dream that we all love living. I'm going to be counting down the greatest March Madness buzzer beaters of all time. So make sure you follow me there. It will be fun to watch. I got a lot of stuff, a lot of great content coming out. Two, I saw this was the biggest comeback in ACC history. They were down 25, 25 in the second half. It's not like. It was 27 to two to start the game. And then they had, you know, 20 minutes plus the other 17 minutes to come back. This was in the second half. So really a terrible collapse from a Miami team that was trying to kind of climb up and and get the higher seed. It was so weird too, because Miami has been playing like super well. Like, I don't think like if you just talk about kind of the landscape as a whole, Virginia, Virginia losing to Carolina yesterday feels like it's way less surprising because everybody kind of Virginia has been terrible for like three weeks now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Miami's been like the opposite of that. Miami's been playing really well. So to blow a 25 point lead at home to a terrible Florida State team is is kind of wild. Yeah, a terrible team. They haven't even won 10 games yet. That was only, yeah. I think, win number nine yesterday. That was that was number nine. Yeah. That was number nine. So and then finally, speaking of March Madness buzzer beaters, you know what it kind of reminded me of? It reminded me of Villanova UNC. It was the kind of dribble up, dish it off to the guy, a deep three, hand in his face, because he wasn't wide open. And like you said, it was it no, was definitely, definitely the, the degree of difficulty was going up there. But of course, drains it in your rival's home stadium. I don't think there's anything left to do. But... Ron Ruiz sitting courtside the day after getting NCAA sanctions. <laughs> but shout out, shout out Read to the Miami. room, Ruiz. Read the room, pal. Shout out to Miami for just being the most – just being completely on brand and being the first school to somehow break NCAA rules related to NIL. Like, there are literally no rules, and they somehow broke them. So shout out <laughs> Miami. I love you for this on brand forever. And John, I love John Ruiz being like, oh, well, I, I said the school should, like, you know, pursue action against this, you know, against this case. And everybody's like, dude, they've already ruled. There's, like, nothing – there's nothing you can do to overturn this. They made a ruling. They're not investigating. They have decided. So John Ruiz further proving he's an idiot, but that's kind of beside the point here. Yeah, and, I mean, like you said, it's just – on your rival's court, ha- you know, having fun right in their face. There's only one thing left to do, and that's pants on the ground. 
Yeah, this is. <laughs> I'm actually surprised. This is the first time I've ever recall seeing this happen. And <laughs> as I watch the video over and over again, I'm like, how does this not happen more? Yeah. Because so so what we're referring to here is Florida State walk on. I, I I forgot this dude's name. I'm not going to look it up. It doesn't matter. It's a walk on. Right. <laughs> <laughs> your picture. If you the listener at home, you're picturing exactly what this guy looks like. Exactly. Like, you know, Florida State walk on, running onto the court, you know, with the rest of the team, you know, chasing around Matthew Cleveland, celebrating the buzzer beater. And he's wearing, you know, he's wearing his warm up pants, you know, the the sweatpants that you know everybody wears. You know, Indiana wears the candy stripe variety, you know, like mm-hmm. the, those kind of pants. <laughs> and he takes about by the time he's about three steps onto the court, the pants are down around his ankles. <laughs> <laughs> but what's funny is like, so obviously these are. Everybody knows these are tearaway pants, you know, because you, yeah. know, you see the guy, yeah. they run to the table, they, you know, they, they button down the side, they just rip them off, you know. So what, what appears to have happened here is I guess they kind of started shaking around a little bit. They kind of started tearing away a little bit, and then that kind of made them start to fall down a little bit. Like, I don't really know how else to describe it other than that. <laughs> I really have no idea how this has never happened before, because, like, you know, there's every college basketball team has these tearaway pants, you know, yeah. some, and some players – some players wear them more than others. Like I get it. They're not everybody wears them, but whatever. But like, there's plenty of instances of dudes running around the court like this in the tearaway pants. And yet I had never seen somebody's tearaway pants just fall off of them until yesterday. And it just looks so comical. I mean, at first I thought for just a split second, I thought they were real pants. Right. And I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> but then like, the best like part man, of it like is a manager wearing like the yeah, sweatpants exactly. that just like fall off. <laughs> Exactly. The best part was there's a split microsecond where he's he contemplates what to do. Like I mean, just the slightest pause. You can tell it the gears are turning in his mind. Should I pull him up? And he's like, you know what? Screw it. I'm just gonna run to the pile. I'm just gonna run and dive on pants on the ground. <laughs> and thank you to No Context College Basketball for having like a, a slowed motion video of it because that's the only uh, way you could see his like moment of contemplation like that. That's how quick it is. So, so yeah, I mean, he, and he, he also, he, he made the right call, by the way, um, the, the right move was to just don't forget the pants. You just, you gotta, you know, just be in the moment. Man. The be team. in the moment. Yes, yeah. Not a cell phone inside living in the moment. You know, kind of, kind of thing. So yeah. Um, maybe, Maybe this could spark something, something new though. Maybe, maybe people should make this decide, like should, you know, cause like you ever, I'm sure Jason, as a kid, you've done this. Um, the thing where like, you know, you're at, let's say you're at like, you know, the pool or the lake or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. This is probably more of a lake activity just because the water is a little less clear and, you know, you're wearing, you know, maybe you've got like compression shorts on under your bathing suit or box or whatever the case may be. And you do the thing where like, you, you, you get it super loose and you kind of put it a little bit down your hips and you try to jump in the water and make the suit come off. Yeah. You ever done this? <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's what, maybe that's what dudes are going to start doing is like, you know, they kind of, kind of unbutton the couple buttons <laughs> on the pants. It's like, a, a, you know, down the hips a little bit. So when they run on the court, they run on the court, the pants come off and they're like kind of flowing behind them. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that'll be a thing. Like, like when guys train uh, with a parachute behind them or whatever, it's just going to be the the tearaway pants parachuting <laughs> behind them. Well, like if you're if you're a, so if you're a walk on on a you know a, an NCAA tournament team or I guess really anybody at this point since you know it's about to be championship um, week and everybody's still still in play here, mm-hmm. your goal your number one goal should be to like be on Twitter, right? 
Yeah. And I can't think of a better way to make it onto social media than to run around the court with your pant with your tearaway pants kind of flowing in the wind behind you after a buzzer beater. Content is king, man. And the only way you can do it is to like loosen those top buttons, hope, hoping for a, a buzzer beater and then you're pantless. I I, I want to switch gears real quick. I know we've, we've talked a lot about pants and, and, and pants on the ground. Um, I want to talk about a, a different area. Of Something you can't here. get about... in every podcast, I remind <laughs> you, okay? <laughs> I want to talk about taste buds because we had we had a very um, – a controversy arose last night um, on the Gonzaga-St. Mary's broadcast. College game day was in the house. Jay Bill is calling the game. You know, it, was, it was ESPN's game of the day. And – you know, Sean Farnham has had his uh, his Farnham flatbread has been a, a thing that's been talked about on you know, WCC. I don't I, also, I don't know how Sean Farnham became the like Gonzaga guy for ESPN, mm-hmm. but he is. But like, <laughs> that, 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 like I guess that kind of is relevant here. But you know, he's talked about this Farnham flatbread before on the broadcast, you know, over the years. Mm-hmm. And of course, obviously, Jay Billis being the, you know, dry humor guy who thinks he's actually really funny, even though he's kind of not that funny mm-hmm. um you know oh he's gotta he's gotta join in on the joke <laughs> here we go you know and so the, so ESPN puts up this graphic which compares the Farnham flatbread versus Billis's uh aptly named Billistrator bread now Jason I'm going to read the contents of both of these breads here and, and then we'll, we'll we'll discuss our, our thoughts so the Farnham flatbread consists uh, and, and again flatbread you know kind of like a flatbread pizza or you know, right. you know yep. kind of a Maybe not salt with like pizza sauce, but you know, kind of you know, something along yeah. that line. See what we're talking about here. Farnham flatbread consists of mozzarella, pesto, spicy shrimp, and tomato. Mm-hmm. The Billustrator bread, very similar, consists of pets, pesto, and mozzarella, chicken, sun-dried tomato, basil, garlic, and parmesan. Now. Uh, Chef Jason, what are what are, what are your thoughts here of uh, of our two creations? Let's do, we can do it kind of like um, you know we're on a whatever Food Network cooking show as they judge and taste the notes of whatever the hell's in the food. See, I feel like the Illustrator bread might be a little too heavy. I, I guess it would depend okay. on how much I've eaten. I, I just it's also don't plan on making out after you eat. What was it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, so Parmesan. garlic yeah yeah um the shrimp I, I think they were they were what breaded and fried yeah yeah i'm gonna have to go with the bread I, i'm gonna try that the shrimp maybe give it a little bit more oomph and i could maybe just eat the bread and, and then call it a day <laughs> especially if i'm gonna be jumping yeah. around like gonzaga fans are <laughs> yeah so the, the shrimp is kind of the wild card for me too in this because I I personally am I am a huge seafood lover. I will mm-hmm. eat pretty much any, any if you could fish it out of the ocean and cook it, I'll probably eat it. Although I'm not a big sushi guy, you got to cook it, <laughs> you know. But gotcha. if you could fish it yep. out of the ocean and cook it in some way, I'll probably eat it. I love shrimp, but this does make me pause here because you know both of both of these breads are kind of built in a you know a, again a pizza kind of Italian style of you know a food here. Now I don't know. I don't know if I want spicy shrimp on my flatbread. I really, mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Like, I think Billis, Billis which kind of true, true to to personality and true to profile, Billis kind of went with you know more of the. This is the standard of what you mm-hmm. would see. Like, if you if you yeah. go to a if you go to pretty much any upscale Italian restaurant, they probably have some version of the Billistrator bread on the menu, right? You know, chicken, right. pesto, tomato, garlic, parmesan. The farm the Farnham bread 
the Farnham flatbread is you know maybe you know somewhere where like the chef is a special you know, specializes in in this you know whatever the shrimp may be you know that that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I think I lean a little towards Billish just because it feels more conventional. Even though because even though I do really love shrimp, I love spicy shrimp, I love all kinds of shrimp. I'm just not sure if I want that on my flatbread. I think with the shrimp, it could it could like go one way or the other really far. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. It could really go off the table and be like, "Yeah, this was a terrible idea," or like, "Hey, this was kind of interesting." You know, this is uh, maybe I'll try it again sometime or something. Yeah, the the shrimp the shrimp is the wild card here. Like the shrimp is like you know to, to put it in in college basketball terms, it's it's the team going into a conference tournament you know, week where you're like, yeah, they, you know, they finished, you know, eighth in the conference, but they played well over the last couple of weeks and, you know, they have good pieces and, um, you know, maybe they make a run and win the conference tournament, you know, I, kind of thing. Like, I don't know. Like that's, that that's kind of what I feel like the Farnham flatbread is. Um, you know, maybe, I guess what I'm getting at, maybe it's, maybe it's the North Carolina of, of flatbreads. The um, Indiana but, of flatbreads. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. 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 So, but that, that, that's, uh, I, th- I did think we needed to settle that for the people. Cause I know that was a, a big topic of conversation uh, <laughs> yesterday during, uh, during the, the, the basketball on TV. Now we, we should probably talk about Indiana Purdue. For a yeah. couple of reasons. One, obviously, is a huge game. Indiana gets a season sweep, but um, a little bit of a little bit of shenanigans uh, pregame. Um, just to, just to set the scene here, I know I feel like I've been talking a lot, but I'll I'll make this quick, and then I'd love to hear um, your thoughts on this. Most of this is harder to see on TV because, frankly, they just don't show it as much. But it's standard practice in college basketball that you know the teams pretty much line up you know, across, across the width of the court free on the free throw line and free throw line extended for the national anthem. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, the player it includes the players, the coaches, the managers, the trainers, you know, so on all told, you know, you're, you're looking at, you know, 30 people, give or take, right. you know, lining up across what, and, and so it stretches about the entire width of the court. Cause it pretty much has to, it's a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So, you know, at the end of warmups, Indiana, you know, the game's in Mackey Arena. I feel like that's important to note for this as well. Indiana goes to to line up, you know, for the national anthem. The clock's running down. You know, they line up on the free throw line like they would for every game. Right. You know, nothing, nothing's <laughs> except there's <laughs> there, one thing is happening here that doesn't normally happen, and that's um. Fletcher Lawyer and Mason Gillis are trying to shoot a couple free throws before uh, before they go line up themselves on their their free throw line. And I don't, I don't remember who it was for Indiana, but the Indiana dudes are just like basically just staring about like three inches from their face. And they're like, all right, <laughs> just shoot it over. Just shoot it over. And which I, I will say, I, I I think this was great by both sides because Fletcher Lawyer and Mason Gillis are both like, yeah, I'm just going to shoot it. Like, I don't care that there was there were no words spoken. There was no gesturing. Dudes are just staring right in their faces. They both shoot like their couple of free throws and go back. And, and that was it. Yeah, it was uh, it kind of reminded me of a boxing match you know they do the weigh-in and then they get like a nanometer from each yeah. other's face yeah, they, it was yeah, like that like basically it, kids. <laughs> shooting free throws it was kind of funny i mean you see this more in college football like somebody goes to the logo and wipes their yeah, feet yeah. or something and the other team is aren't walking the entire length of the field arm in arm and you don't really see it, especially this degree in basketball. At least I haven't, or at least it's not on camera. But it made, you know, it just immediately kind of ratcheted up. It's already obviously a rivalry game. It was 
a big game in the Big Ten. So right. kind of added some zest before the we even tipped it off, which it ended up being a hell of a game. I thought, oh, yeah. I thought Purdue would would you know I know they were favored or whatever, and obviously the higher ranked team. I thought they would exact some revenge because they obviously lost in Assembly Hall earlier this year. Being at home, Macarena is a tough place to play, but man, Indiana unflappable. And I just wonder, <laughs> does Indiana have a little bit of a March run in them? If, if they can, if they can win one well, game, maybe they could string together a few games. Well, what I've learned is is they should act. They should just designate like the walk ons to just stand on the free throw line through the entire warm ups <laughs> or something. Like they should do this every game. We like. Yeah, I think that the boxing, like the boxing weigh in is a good analogy for this because, again, like they do just get like right up in each other's faces. Like it also kind of reminded me of like, you know, when you see this happens in baseball, like a few times a year, like the major leagues where like the like a dude from each team, they'll do like a standoff at the national anthem where they're like, you know, they'll stand like on the line, you know, Mm -hmm. hand over their heart, anthem in, and then they just don't move and just, you know, see who moves first, basically. It kind of felt like that in the sense it's too. I mean, obviously the, those guys are farther apart, but in the sense of like they were, you know, Purdue guys were going to shoot the free throws. Indiana guys were going to stand there no matter what. But the, the the true comparison here is a little off the wall. You remember like two years ago, like Robbie Gold for the um, San Francisco 49ers trying to kick like during halftime and there was some like dance you know show team or cheerleader <laughs> group like, or something and he's like he's like out there in the middle of them and they're like doing their performance you know through him and he's like w- moving them away so he can kick that's what it was if like that's what it was if but if an NFL team like purposely did that to sabotage the opposing kicker yeah, a little gamesmanship always goes a long way and it always adds you know so much more fire, if you will, to to rivalries like that. So I thought it was good stuff. Perfect college basketball stuff and perfect for March being right around the corner. I was going to say, uh, you, you might be going the same the same place as, as I was because I wanted to stick in the Big Ten real quick. All right, um, because oh, we, we, need, we need to talk about Fran McCaffrey. Because oh. <laughs> there was – that wasn't – the Indiana Purdue Big Ten stare down was not the only Big Ten stare down that happened yesterday. Yeah, that was a perfect segue, man. I blew it. I wasn't even thinking about that. That was perfect. But <laughs> beautiful Stairgate, I don't know what the I did see it, you know, just obviously go with the, the boring <laughs> nickname, the stare. But man, this was something else. It, it seemed like it worked. And I, I, hate, legit never I don't want to encourage before. copycat offenders, but it really seemed like it worked because Iowa stormed way back. I mean, they were all but dead in this game against yeah, Michigan thir- State. Down thirteen with a minute and a half left, and they win in overtime. Um, I think yeah, I saw. The, the, I think I saw it was the the second biggest comeback with a minute left of all time. It was eleven points with a minute left, and I think the only other one was the. Um, the NCAA game where they were, uh, it was a 12 point game. Oh, uh, it was, uh, yeah, that was Texas AM, Texas Northern A&M. Iowa. The yeah. second round, Texas, Texas AM got it to overtime. They were down like 12 with less than a minute left, right. I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, well, first of all, Iowa hit five threes in the last like minute of the game, which is crazy enough by itself. And that's worth talking about by itself. But um, I, th- I would describe this move as something only Fran McCaffrey could do. Cause like so, and, and this also this literally happened like almost right before the run started. Like it wasn't like this happened like in the first half of the game, right? Where there's, there's a timeout. You know he's he's mad at, at at the ref, and you know ref is doing 
normal ref stuff. He's standing on the baseline, just holding the basketball. And Fran walks out of the huddle. And like, it, it reminded me of the video. He, Fran didn't talk, but it reminded me of the video of the guy on the airplane where he's walking up to the guy going, I just want to shake your hand. I oh, just yes. want to shake your hand. Like, he's like sticking, he's like sticking his hand like way out. Like, right. he's like clearly pissed at this guy. Like, oh, I just want to shake your hand. Yeah. Like, Fran, Fran basically did that, except for like, he just stared through this dude's soul and just started kind of continuing to walk closer. You're talking about like the, you know, like the boxing way and when they look like they almost kiss. Like, I thought Fran was going in for the kiss. Like, <laughs> just start walking slower and like you know, closer and closer, just continuing to stare through this guy's soul. And I love the ref did not flinch once. It was like the Kobe Bryant video, you know, where like right, the, yeah. the inbounder, like, With Matt Barnes, yeah. in his face. Yeah. Dude did not flinch once, which I, I, I mean, props to him. But th- this is, this is uh, one of the wildest things I've ever seen a coach do on a basketball court. I agree wholeheartedly. There's a couple of things. One, I love watching the video because <laughs> if you watch the people around him, there's a couple assistants that are, I'm using air quotes, they're not looking at him, <laughs> but they're 100% peripherally looking at him they're like oh my god what's what's going on until one assistant coach obviously tries to kind of to pull him back it did seem like it it sparked a run i don't know if it if it was coincidental or or what but i posed this on twitter and i think it it bears repeating is have iowa football fans thought about trying (laughs) this with brian ferentz I feel like I feel like Kirk is going to totally steal this move. Like, like because you know we haven't we haven't talked about it a ton on on the podcast, and I definitely want to once um once basketball is done, we we need to spend some time talking about Brian Ferentz's amended uh, contract and and what that that's all. That's true. Yeah, that's a good all season topic. Yeah, we will definitely need to talk about that. But I feel like the first game where like Iowa loses, you know, like ten to four or whatever, you know, in football, like Kirk Ferentz is going to be in the football offices. And like he's just gonna he's just gonna stare at Brian just like how McCaffrey did. Like he's, he's not gonna say a word. He's gonna like kind of walk around and look and just stare and and just not say any anything. I do love to. This is, I think this has to be the best meme template of the year, right? Like the, like the 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 memes are are incredible because like you have the still image of Fran like like seven feet away from this ref and they're both just looking at each other and it's like with with no context. It's it's perfect. It's just beautiful meme template and. That's really all Fran McCaffrey's good for these days is just giving you great memes. So Ole Miss basketball was in the news this week, which pretty much is never a good thing for Ole Miss, like ever. <laughs> I mean, this 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 wasn't as bad as you know the typical oh Ole Miss is in the news kind of thing goes, right. but Ole Miss fired Kermit Davis, which first of all, you know, from from a pure just basketball standpoint, this is this is one. Just, just Kermit Davis's tenure at Ole Miss is one that makes me want to reevaluate my entire thought process when it comes to evaluating coaching hires because I thought this was a slam dunk home run hire. Like he just come off making Middle Tennessee State basketball something again. Like that's like think about that statement for a second. Yeah, exactly. Um, it, it basically never got together at Ole Miss. Okay, whatever. That's beside the point. So Jeff Goodman. Uh, which you know, I, I I like Goodman fine. You know, I don't have any strong feelings. He, he follows me on Twitter, so Jeff, I hope you're listening. Goodman starts doing his job, which is breaking out the candidate list. Right, you know, th- these are the guys I would keep an eye on. You know, these what I'm hearing for for Ole Miss. Right, so he he starts the, he starts this with um with three names in particular. 
<laughs> I want to hear your reaction when you think of Ole Miss hiring these three guys. The first okay. one is Dusty May. Dusty May, the the FAU coach, which mm-hmm. is kind of the same. It's the, it's the same idea of the Kermit Davis hire, which is, wow, this guy built a program who has literally never been good at basketball ever into something you know that's worth paying attention to. Right, right. I mean, and that's that's a common mold for programs like an Ole Miss. Okay, that's fine. Number two is Chris Beard, and number three is Will Wade. Okay. Goodman, Goodman, Goodman mentions three names, like and it, and this again, this is just Goodman saying like one of those is, names you know, is not like the other. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like Ole, Ole Miss. Ole Miss is also just as an athletic department. Like if you if you say you know if you search like it broken NCAA rules like in Google, Ole Miss probably like Ole Miss compliance probably pops up first. You know what I mean? Like right, like right. they are like. They are the poster child for you know NCAA investigation. I mean, God, they employed Hugh Freeze, and we all know what happened there. You know, like they, <laughs> they employed DJ Durkin recently. They currently employ Lane Kiffin. Like you know, like mm-hmm. they, you know, they, they are not above going. You know, for for kind of the, the scuzzy hire, but like, yeah, there's three candidates for the job. One guy was got fired for you know arrest related reasons, and the other guy got fired for FBI investigation. Those are the guys we're looking at. Oh, geez. I mean, if you wanted to hire somebody that like, so we're going to take into account you're trying to be successful and technically you're okay on technicalities. I guess you'd go with Chris Beard, a guy who's obviously taken, taken a, a program like Texas tech to the finals, right? Yeah, they went to the final game. Now, yeah. I, I would I would pose another solution here. This is one that I don't think will happen, but you want a guy who is capable of resurrecting a program, a guy who's had success, a guy who's going to make waves and be a name that people will know, a guy who has also had his run-ins with the NCAA and and the FBI. He's had both. RP? A guy a guy's whose name has been largely <laughs> cleared of of uh of of considered you know uh-huh. wrongdoing. I mean, you know, he he's pretty much seen as okay now. Yeah, man, you 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 make you make you go <laughs> you go up to New York City, you stroll right into Iona, and you hand Rick Pitino a blank check. Which obviously Rick Pitino Rick Pitino is taking a job like the a, a, yeah. a power conference job this year. It's probably going to be Georgetown. It could be St. John's. It could be another name. It probably won't be Ole Miss. But like I love, I I do love that, or maybe love is not the right word. It's ironic that mm-hmm. um, Ole Miss looks at the landscape. There's literally a coach who checks all these boxes, you know, for for what they could possibly be looking for. Who everybody's like, yeah, it's cool. He, we're fine if he gets something else. And they're like, no, let's go to these other dudes. <laughs> you know, obviously the SEC is becoming more and more competitive. For such a long time, they were kind of just Kentucky. Throw well, in Florida they have the, they have every the once in a while. So. Yeah, I mean, but teams like Alabama weren't top five teams, and teams yeah. in like even Tennessee. I mean, Tennessee had, yeah. had some had good years, but they weren't like a top five team. Now you got Arkansas, probably one of the most NBA laden teams in the country. I, I mean, you you got a lot of good teams. So if you're truly gonna try and win, you're gonna need somebody yeah. who knows how to win, even in those type now, of. I want to circle back to Will Wade here because Will Wade, if you have, if you need somebody to coach your college basketball team, Will Wade is interested because like he's kind of <laughs> like 
he's almost doing the James Franklin thing, you know, how like James Franklin, like pretty much no matter what college football job becomes available, James Franklin, like is always somehow linked to possibly being interested in it. And yeah. gets like a raise because of this. Will Wade is more or less doing this, except for he doesn't currently have a job. So like it does him no good. <laughs> and, you know, it's like, he's basically like bidding against himself at this point, like yeah. for all these jobs. Cause like, I mean, Literally, if 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 there is an opening, somebody is somebody is you know massive quote fingers here leaking. You know that Will Wade. Oh, it's some, oh they're in contact with Will Wade, or or, or Will Wade has reached out, or like there's. So I don't know who his agent is, but like I mean this this guy must have every phone number of every AD like in the world. Like I'm sure there'll be like some you know college in Turkey who's gonna like fire their coach. Oh, Will Wade. <laughs> Will, Will Wade's interested. He's gonna he's gonna go to Turkey. So, My bets are on uh, Dick Vitale. <laughs> I don't understand why what this tactic is like, because like you know, just from a pure optic standpoint, it's like okay, yeah, all these all these programs are turning you down. You know what I mean? Like I don't understand how this is supposed to build him up as a viable candidate. But again, if uh, so, if, if if we want to start pipeline university tomorrow, we'll we'll wait on coach the basketball team. <laughs> you know what? Rather than PU, let's let's go with University of Pipeline and go for up. That way, uh, <laughs> just a little, little less memes than than PU, especially when we start out terribly. Well, yeah, as, as as long as as long as the acronym is an FBI, I think we'll be fine. Right. <laughs> well, KSD, we've had you know we've talked about this. I think last warning podcast or maybe the one before in football, we had the of course mascot nanigans. Then we in college basketball we started having a few cheerleader nanigans, and now we're following up with some jersey nanigans. And friend of the pod, Jim Weber, of course, the internet's resident uniformologist, posted these South Dakota South Dakota State uniforms. I don't know what happened. Who designed this? I don't know if this was like some third grader won a contest and and designed this on ms paint <laughs> or something but these were some of the worst uniforms i've ever seen in any sport they were absolutely terrible you know what it kind of reminded me of they kind of reminded me of one of those magic eyes where you stare at it and <laughs> a 3d image starts coming out at you that had to be their only advantage like when def defense is locking on you they start seeing images come out at them and then you blow by them it's like they put like half of a college baseball jersey and like sewed sewed it together with like half of the basketball jersey because like college baseball teams do this all the time where they do like the the screen print camo stuff and it just like burns your eyes You're like it's like yeah. the screen print camo but it's like in the colors of the school like right like i swear i've seen west virginia wear this on the baseball field before like basically almost like like ha half of the jersey because again to point to point important to point out here only half of it had the screen print camo the other half was just like white so <laughs> like like to make like that like made it even worse it's like all right if this whole thing was screen print camo at least i'm kind of looking at one thing i think right you know like but yeah i mean like i swear like they, they they went to the they went to the baseball team and were like all right we're gonna cut all of your jerseys in half and we're gonna cut the sleeves off we're gonna cut all of our home jerseys in half and then we're gonna sew them together and that's what we're gonna wear yeah and i mean in contrast these atrocious jerseys with the uh, Kansas Naismith throwbacks, like absolutely oh, bare bone, minimalistic. What what year were they from? Like nineteen oh three? I mean, 
I don't know. This th- this was just another this was just another ploy in the Kansas propaganda machine to claim that they invented the sport of basketball <laughs> because James Naismith coached there. And it's like, dude, everybody everybody is wide, widely knows that James Naismith invented the sport at a YMCA in Massachusetts. Like they did not he, he did not right. invent the sport in in Allen Fieldhouse was not built before James Naismith invented basketball, <laughs> uh, contrary to Kansas fan belief. But in this, and these jerseys were supposed to kind of further that propaganda machine, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it was like literally just like a white jersey that just said Kansas in black letters with black shorts. Like, I mean, if you like, if you turn the TV on and you didn't see the score bug on the bottom of the screen and tried to guess who was playing, I don't know how many guesses you get to before you you say Kansas yeah I mean it was uh you're right I don't know how many you'd have to go through a lot probably because you'd you probably wouldn't start there I did like I think almost all of them I know not all of them but I think almost every player wore the like white leggings or, or whatever it was like and almost sur- like they surely were... James Naismith's team wore those <laughs> almost like they were Trying to wear pantaloons or something. I, don't know, something. I wish like they. Would, Grady, I wish they would have done warm up with, with wearing a like a bowler <laughs> hat or a derby or something. <laughs> Smoking a jersey cigar. Should, jersey should have had collars on them. Like, <laughs> like Grady, Grady Dick's out there wearing a shooting sleeve. Like you show you should you show a shooting sleeve to a nineteen twenty you know James Naismith player. I don't even know what they think about that. Like what do you what, well first of all like what is what is the shooting you speak of? <laughs> true you, you mean what, what is this backboard you, you, you're talking about yeah you you fool you launched the ball more than two inches from the basket <laughs> right exactly and then of can course we, we, we had what we had boo booey <laughs> what, what in the world but, happened here with this jersey just i've never seen a jersey totally tear away what was it made of paper mache i mean the yeah. when he glued the letters on they were too heavy and they ended up just tearing off yeah, I mean, I've seen jerseys rip in basketball yeah. before. I've never seen, like, the number, like, basically from the number down, like, a massive hole get ripped in the jersey. It's like, I mean, it's basically like, the, you know, like, there was a grab, like, pretty much in the exact right spot on the seam and just, you know, could pull the jersey with it. But, I mean, it defies all logic to be like, oh, he, well, yeah, you just ripped right down the middle of the jersey. Like I don't like it, I, I I don't know how we get here, but it did look pretty funny when he came off the court. Lots of jersey nanning is this week, and uh, you know it's going to be something we obviously keep our eye on as we move toward March. Well, so so what, one thing nobody's talking about, and I actually just realized this now, is this is the ten year anniversary of the Adidas kind of camoy sleeves neon jersey that kind of looked you know, jerseys that kind of looked like puke in the in March. You know you, you know what I'm referring to. You know, Louisville, Kansas, like Cincinnati, Notre Dame, Baylor. Yeah, exactly. They all had their their versions of all the Adidas schools. Basically, all had their versions of these. It's the ten year anniversary, so you know it's kind of a. I'm not. I'm not saying. Just saying. You know, I don't have any inside information. March begins on Wednesday. I don't know. Maybe they got something else. Inquiring minds would like to know. <laughs> Hopefully, they uh they they aren't those though. Well, I can't think of a better stop for this absolutely action-packed podcast. Like I said before, if you haven't subscribed already, please do. Leave us a five-star review. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your lovers. Hopefully those aren't the same circle of people. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Pipeline underscore. 
And make sure, as I said, follow us on TikTok at Pipeline. We're going to have a ton of content, including the greatest March Madness buzzer beaters of all time. Going to be fun stuff to watch. Make sure you follow KSD on Twitter at Pregame Empire. And we'll see you guys next time on the Pipeline Award-winning podcast.